It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, today joined by Dr. Brandon Bowers. James Rapine, the other host of the show, will be joining me to recap today's training camp practice and comments from coaches in just a little bit. But we're going to start today with Joseph Osai's knee injury, a torn meniscus of some sort, and the initial report is that he'll be out for potentially up to the year. And that report in and of itself tells us that they're probably not just cutting the meniscus out. There are different kinds of meniscus repairs and meniscus treatments when the meniscus is torn in different ways. And Dr. Brandon Bowers is here to tell us all about it. So when you see the initial news report from Tom Pellicero that Joseph Osai could miss up to the year, what are your initial takeaways from just that bit of news? You know, your little lead in there really hit the nail on the head. This is a differentiator between the meniscus clean out or what we call the meniscectomy where they go in and they just trim out the damaged portion versus a true meniscus repair. So the meniscus is a piece of cartilage inside of the knee and depending on where it's torn and the size of the tear dictates how they manage it. In his case, being that they mentioned this could be a season ending issue, there's got to be a pretty sizable tear in there that needs to be repaired. So that's what we're looking at here with Osai with this first report. And given the range of recovery windows for this kind of surgery, I've read three to six months for a repair. I, I know that I've seen in the past athletes that have had the, the I can't say that word, when they've had the meniscus cut out or the mm-hmm. excess pieces of meniscus cut yeah. out, uh, it's been, you know, six weeks. I know the long-term prognosis is generally better when they try to repair the meniscus because it reduces long-term stress on the joint. Right. What makes it take three months versus six months for some athletes when they do the repair? What this comes down to is the healing time. So when they go in and they cut out the piece of damaged meniscus, they're good to go. They work on range of motion strength to get back to football activities and we're good to go. And like you said, Jake, it can be a six week thing. When we're dealing with the repair and they've gone in and sutured the meniscus back together, they need to allow adequate time for healing for that meniscus kind of to grow back together and and heal itself. And so there's a lot of precautions early on. There's some weight bearing restrictions where they're not allowed to put weight on that leg early on. You just have to respect it a little bit more as opposed to the meniscectomy with the clean out. It's pretty much all systems go right after they're out of the operating room. But even with that repair, I've read, and this is cursory internet research, three mm-hmm. to six months. What what changes it from three to six months when they do the repairs? Is it the severity of the tear, how much of the meniscus is torn and had to be stitched back together? Yeah, it's going to be the severity and then the location of the tear. So the, the meniscus, like we mentioned, is the cartilage in the knee. There's different portions of it that have good blood supply and other portions that don't ha- have as good of a blood supply. And if the tear occurs in an area that needs to be repaired that doesn't have good blood supply, that healing time just gets even longer. 
And you're going to see three to six months, four to six months is going to be your norm, which is going to really run out the length of the season for him. It looks like here early on. Obviously, we have variations from the norm. You have guys that come back faster and guys that come back slower. But I'd say three to six months is, is pretty accurate. What would you say is the best case here? Say it's in the quote unquote red zone. And I'm I'm recalling now the little bits of cursory internet research. I imagine the red zone is the part of the meniscus that has relatively good blood flow. And I've, I saw the white zone referred to as well. I imagine that's the part that has less blood flow as the names might indicate. What What's the best case here if it's a repair, but it's not as bad as maybe we think? Again, this is best case. It's hard to know at this juncture until they get in and do the surgery. But the best case would be that three-month mark, 12 weeks. Uh, the regular season's getting ready to kick off here in the next couple of weeks. So mid to late part of the season. But again, that's best case scenario. I think we'll get a clear indication of a true timetable after he has surgery, after the surgeon gets in there and sees what they're working with. And so we'll just kind of have to wait and see right now until he's under the knife to get a clearer picture of his return to play timetable. Yeah, and that's always a question. You can only see so much in imaging. The surgeon won't really know what he's looking at until they've cut open the knee and have eyes on it themselves. What kind of concerns should there be? Or is this sort of thing so standard these days? I know it's a relatively common injury for athletes that long-term Joseph size prognosis should be totally fine, 100% return to where he was? Or are there concerns of lingering explosion concerns where you see this sort of surgery happen? And the high-level athletes that I've treated with similar cases, I don't have any real significant long-term concerns for him. Fortunately, this happened at the beginning of the year. I know it stinks that he's not going to be around. It's looking like for the 2021 season, but he'll have a full year to gear up and get ready for next season and be right back to the the player that the Bengals drafted him to be. So long, long term, it shouldn't cause any issues down the line beyond the end of his football career. He might deal with some arthritis or increased arthritis as a result of this. But in terms of his ability to play and go out there on Sundays and get the job done, it shouldn't impact him too much. Brandon Bowers here telling us all the things that you might have been wondering about the return to play from a meniscus tear. Brandon, appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. Last question. Joseph Osai, just 21 years old. Do you see quicker returns to play at all when these athletes are younger, like in their early 20s, than maybe around 30? It's a great question. The, the more we age, the slower healing time becomes. So the 21-year-old factor here definitely is a feather in his cap that should speed things along a little bit. Now, whether or not that's statistically significant comparing a 21-year-old to a 31-year-old, I, I can't speak to that, but I would expect it see him recover a little bit quicker. Appreciate it, Dr. Bowers, and appreciate you coming on the show again. Hopefully one day we can talk to you when a player isn't hurt and the fan base isn't just devastated, but we appreciate the insight nonetheless. Jake, I appreciate you having me on the show. The other host of the podcast, James Rapine, will join me next on the show. We'll talk today's podcast, Zach Taylor's comments, and the roster moves the Bengals made as they cut down to 80. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football. Teams are back on the gridiron, ready to start football season. BetOnline is still your number one spot for all things pro and college football this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the world's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the largest $200,000 Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. For new customers only, 
Use promo code NFL100. You'll get a free wager up to $25 on the opening day super promo game between the Buccaneers and Cowboys. From football to basketball and boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Right now, use promo code Locked On for a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On for a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now joined by James Rapine. James, welcome to the program. Fresh off of Sunday's practice and Zach Taylor's comments with the media. Unfortunately, the Joseph Osai news. Let's start there. Get your quick thoughts. Zach Taylor not confirming the timeline or the specificity of the meniscus injury. No, he just said it was a knee and, you know, that's, as far as he went and look, I think what we're going to see here is post-surgery this week when Joseph Osai has surgery to repair that meniscus. That's when Zach Taylor will confirm it and have more of a timeline like Brandon Bowers uh, said earlier. But look, this sucks. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to, to say it. It sucks because you had this guy in number 58 that was replacing another 58 and he flashed and he sacked the goat and he looked like he could be um, maybe not a game changer, but certainly a factor for this Bengals defense this year. And not having him, it just makes it that much harder for them to be the 16th or 17th best defense, which is what we're hoping they can get to this season. The good news is the defensive line still looked really good without him against the Washington football team. Not quite as good of an offensive line as they played in Tampa, but still a respectable unit for the most part. Brandon Scherf among the names there. So, the good news is they're still functional, but Osai might have been the best or second best pass rusher on this team, especially by later in the season. I mean, Hendrickson has looked good in the preseason, so I'd probably yeah. give him the the top there. But Khaled Kareem, who's back at practice today, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Maybe he can show something. Darius Hodge, certainly, I think, very likely to make the team at this point, although there may be some roster acrobatics required to get him onto the team. And some of these roster acrobatics started today. There's a cut down to 80 coming. And the first move the Bengals made is we talked about Noah Spence, the Eastern Kentucky product, the transfer to Eastern Kentucky, I guess we should say, from 2016 second round pick. The Bengals ended up signing him after working him out over the weekend. I wouldn't necessarily expect a whole lot from Noah Spence, who's hardly played football in the last couple of years. But there was once a great athlete in that body and we'll see what degree of athleticism he has been robbed of due to some injuries he's dealt with over the past few years, including recently the ACL injury last year that he's dealing with. But to make room, I think they still actually have to do one more cut, but freedom. Akimo Ladoon, the defensive tackle was cut a little bit of a surprising name as he's been fine in the preseason, I think. And he was with them last year, Eric Dungy, the quarterback also cut, 
Lamont Gilliard, the former waiver claim that I was somewhat excited for. One of the waves, <laughs> Cheyenne O'Grady, a cut, and uh, the safety, Kayvon Frazier, I believe, was cut. And none of those names outside of Akeem Oladun are surprising to me too much. The Lamont Gilliard experiment didn't work out. That's too bad. But Dungy, O'Grady, and Frazier were all always long shots to make the team. No doubt. And it was good to see Dungy get in there a little bit on Friday night. Just to look, man, just to get into another game. Because I had uh, someone from Syracuse that covers the Orangemen for, for SI. He reached out and was like, hey, Dungy have a shot? And I'm like... This is a couple weeks ago. I'm like, no, he doesn't. I'm not trying to be mean. Like, maybe practice squad, maybe. And then we saw he didn't even get a rep in that first preseason game. But, no, none of these moves surprising. And like you said, you can't have high expectations for Noah Spence. At the same time, maybe he's got a little something. Maybe he can give you something in, in the other thing, and you can't help but go here when you see the Osai news is Darius Hodge, right? Will he get – more of a shot this week I would say so to prove that he can be uh, a factor here at all and potentially make the team and I, I think really his path Jake is show that he can do it in the run game not just off the edge but show that he can be competent uh, as you know and, and we'll see but I think that's that's something that Luana Rumo mentioned last week Zach Taylor mentioned Sunday and certainly I, I think something that they're going to monitor when they play the Dolphins next week. That's like a very typical coach thing to say when they have a sure. guy like this. Like, yeah, he needs to show in the run game too. Like, come on, Darius Hodge is is not going to be on the field for run snaps, guys. Yeah. If he makes a team and he's sure. active on game day, you're going to hide him from the run game. Frankly, like, be honest about it, right? Like, he's a speed rusher. He he does have a lot of work to do against the run. He's not ready to be an every down player yet, but that's not what you need. You have Sam Hubbard for that. You have you know potentially Cam Sample, Khaled Kareem for that, and unfortunately you don't have Joseph Osai for that. So replace the skill set that you've lost. And and this is the easy argument for Hodge. If I'm going to go to the coaching staff and say, Hey, make a spot for Hodge is he has some juice as a rusher and you don't really have juice at that position outside of Trey Hendrickson right now. I did reach out to Ross Jackson, who does locked on saints to ask him a little bit about Noah Spence because he's been with the saints most recently, he thinks that standing up would be a better role for him than putting his hand in the ground. He's a speed rusher by trait, said Ross. Bends well, but with those knee injuries, you're going to have to keep an eye on that to see if that part of his game is still there or how often it still shows up, how limited he is by some of the knee injuries he's had. So we'll see what we get with Noah Spence. It's entirely possible that this is just let's get to the regular season and make sure we have enough depth at the edge when Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson only play about 10 plays each. And, you know, I, I don't know, was uh, was Cam Sample back at practice today with that shoulder or was he held out? Did you notice? Yeah, he was not. He was not there. He, he's day-to-day, expected to miss a couple practices. I would bet the Bengals are hoping to have him back on the practice field Wednesday because they're treating this like a normal game week. You got two pretty heavy, not heavy practices, but two real practices Sunday, Monday, then the off day Tuesday, then Wednesday it's going to be installation and everything just like it'll be on a regular game week with the game on Sunday. So hopefully samples out there then I wouldn't expect him out there on Monday afternoon. And it'll be interesting to see if they protect him in the third preseason game. He's played a ton in these first two preseason games and now they don't really have the depth to spare. Yes, the return of Khaled Kareem probably helps us a little bit and they need to see that Khaled Kareem is still going to be a viable football player. You know, he hasn't played in a preseason yet preseason game yet this year, but 
it will be interesting to see if Noah Spence actually has a shot at the roster here. I, I personally, at this point, feel that he's a bit of a long shot coming in this late in the game, but we'll have to see what he puts on the field, right? Because the coaches have seen a lot of him, and we have not. Brand new. Zach Taylor did talk to the media today, James. Some of the highlights are guard competition. Sounds like it's still open, although Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo had their first shot today. We'll talk about, again, some of the practice notes in a little bit. He also talked about Joe Burrow and Trey Hopkins, of course, asked if these guys are going to play in preseason week three. He didn't close the book on it, but before we were recording, James, we were talking about it, and the way it sounds, they're going to be ready for week one, that's for sure, but it doesn't sound like there's much of a a fire under Zach Taylor's butt for these guys to play against Miami. No, I, I, I just don't think we're going to see it. Now, maybe... And Zach kind of said, like, ultimately he makes the decision with Burrow and in, 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 uh, Hopkins. I don't buy that. Maybe Hopkins. I don't think he makes the decision with Burrow ultimately in uh, our oh, ownership. Uh, you know, yeah. I think if in, in Mike Brown did this a couple of years ago with A.J. Green, a couple now, it's five years ago in 2016. A.J. gets on this flight on Christmas Eve to Houston to play the Texans. And Mike Brown's like, we're not going to the playoffs. Go home. <laughs> he says, home. And so we'll see. I, if I had to guess, Jake, I don't think we see Burrow this week. It might change, but if my gut feeling today, I don't think we see Burrow on Sunday. Even though I've been pretty adamant about, you know, and, and kind of bullish on getting him out there. Same thing with Hopkins. Doesn't feel like we're going to see either of those guys, and their first snaps are going to be together on September twelfth against the Vikings. So that's interesting. And uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? If those guys don't get a preseason snap at all. Hopkins the same. I, I would probably try to get Hopkins out there. It's not like he's supposed to be medically limited at all anyways. I would play him for sure on Sunday, give him a couple reps before he goes out there in a real game. The only thing that that makes me hesitate about it at all is that we haven't seen Hopkins in the full team periods in practice either. And maybe they're waiting until you guys don't get to watch the team periods of practice and that's coming in just a few days, right? They're treating these these Sunday, Monday practices like camp. It sounds like early uh, for the early practices this week, you'll be able to stay a little bit later. But by the end of the week, they're in full regular season mode. You guys aren't going to be able to see much of the practice. And so much like the deep ball, perhaps, and here's a segue, maybe we just won't see it, but they'll work on it when the media is away. And, you know, maybe maybe that's when Hopkins will get the work in. And the, the segue here is, Zach Taylor was also asked about the deep ball. Jay Morrison asking the question that you and I have talked about privately, like, hey, what, why aren't they working on the deep ball? And I actually really like Taylor's answer here. Um, of course, I would like to see, you know, the deep shots at, from, from time to time in these preseason games. But also, I care a little bit less with Brandon Allen, at quarterback. But the answer was, we're trying to make a pretty big change in our run game. We're, we're going way more wide zone this year. We're doing a lot more under center stuff. We're practicing against our own defensive line. We're getting the same defensive fronts all day. Pass blocking, you know, we, we can practice that against our own guys. Feel pretty good about that. But in the run game, there are so many more little intricacies that we need to iron out against these different fronts that we don't play and that we're not practicing against. And so the emphasis has really been on that run game. And Taylor said, you know, the reason we're passing the ball as much as we even are in the preseason is because we're getting penalties and we're getting behind the chains. And so you've seen this emphasis through two games on quick game, screen game, run game. And it sounds like we should expect that to continue 
as he's talking about Miami is going to show them even another front. So that did answer that question a little bit. But he also said that this will be something that they'll work on maybe when you guys aren't there to watch the practice anymore. Yeah. And I, look, they need to work on the deep ball because they're going to have to have that. If, if Mixon's going to have the year you want him to have and – you know, you, you go out and you get Jamar Chase for a reason, and we'll talk more about him in a second. T. Higgins, obviously, if you want to open up things for Boyd, you're going to have to be able to push the ball downfield at least some. I get it, bro's a great processor, and you can do that uh, intermediate stuff, and that can be your bread and butter. That's great, bread and butter. I need something else on the side, right? Maybe a built bar on the side, and that built bar can be the deep ball. Speaking of built bar... Let's talk about practice. Jamar Chase, I don't know. Do they make a built bar for catching footballs? I just, I, I'm still not worried about the Jamar Chase drops, but they did recur in practice on Sunday. We'll talk about that and some of the other notes from the Bengals return to practice coming up next. I can't wait till we finish recording this because you know what I'm going to do, Jake? I'm going to grab like four built bars because I'm starving at the moment. And if you haven't had a built bar, Yet it is the number one protein bar on the planet. I love them, and I'm sure you will too. They have nine delicious flavors, something for everyone, every single one of them covered in 100% chocolate. And the best part isn't the fact that they taste great. It's the macros, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. But again, they taste great, and they're going to fit whatever diet you're on right now. So check them out at BuiltBar.com. And when you go there and you make that purchase, make sure you use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. And yeah, Jake, maybe we should send some to Mr. Chase here as he tries to get through these dropsies. Again, BuiltBar.com, Jamar, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. Every time you talk about sending people built bars it just reminds me of chad johnson sending the browns the pepto bismol because they had a sick stomach but you can save your stomach if you need auto parts by saving money and time at rockauto.com don't choose to spend 30 50 100 more on the same parts from a chain store or the car dealership where they're jacking up the prices because they know they they've got you you can save the money at rockauto.com. Very simple, easy to use website. You can get there from home. You don't have to go to the chain store where they're just going to look up your car and order your parts for you anyway from a website that looks a whole lot like rockauto.com. They've got everything that you need from a do-it-yourselfer to a mechanic. You need brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. They've got it. So go check out the website today. Very easy to use. Just type in the make and model, the car part you need, see what they have available. And when you check out, when you get those parts for your car or truck, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, James, let's uh, talk about the elephant at practice, I guess, because I'm, I'm getting messages about it on Twitter. I'm, I'm sure I'm getting tagged in tweets. Jamar Chase had some drops and the one video in particular is, is absolutely brutal. Keenan, Keenan Singleton has a video of, of one of his drops that was straight through the hands in front of the face mask, a well-thrown ball, Von Bell bearing down. And instead of Von Bell popping him, which he wouldn't have done because it was seven on seven, it ends up being a Von Bell interception off of Jamar Chase's hands. That I think is probably the worst drop I've seen from Chase. And I haven't seen all the practices, but it was worse to me than anything that I saw 
against Washington. I'm going to reiterate this point, though, and I tweeted it during the Washington game. I'm not worried about this right now. You see the way Jamar's attacking it, the way that he's continued to work on this throughout his football career, going back to his time at LSU, his work ethic, and Joe Burrow, frankly, holding him accountable. I think this will work out. But if this is still an issue in a month from now and it's not showing signs of improving and this becomes, you know, some Y word situation, because we don't say that word on this podcast, then, you know, I'll start to worry. But preseason, training camp, practice, I'm not there yet. That's fine. And I think that's fair. And let's start here. You're right. That drop. And I, I tweeted a clip too of that, but obviously there's a ton of drops. I mean, for those that have watched my all Bengals highlights, I mean, I've tried to include those drops throughout camp and it's not just like it's contested stuff. It's not like it's just one thing. Sometimes it's on air and Jamar just, it, it just seems like it's like a concentration thing. That's what I was thinking or a technique thing, maybe a little bit of both, probably a bunch of things. But what I come back to, is what you come back to. It's the fact that Jamar Chase was out there on Sunday after practice working with Troy Walters, the Bengals wide receivers coach. And he's, um, Troy's all over him, hanging on him as he's going up and making these contested catches and doing these quick turns where you're jumping around and the ball's on you and you have to catch it right away. Working, working, working. And look, I, I don't think he's going to completely lose confidence. I think he's, much like Burrow, very confident in his abilities. And this kind of reminds me of that, Jake, for whatever reason. I get it, Joe Bur- or Joe, Jamar Chase isn't coming from coming off of some devastating injury, right? At the same time, we were talking about Joe Burrow struggling and how he was just not feeling, not looking like himself in the pocket, right? And he just needed reps and he got he got there. And that might be all this is, is he just needs reps and he needs reps and he needs more reps and he needs more reps. So let's see how long he plays against Miami this coming Sunday. Maybe he's out there for three quarters. Maybe they play him a lot and really try to get him those reps and and whether it's bro or not. And I'm not saying you do that necessarily, but I'm just saying reps are going to help him right now. And uh, I would not be surprised at all if they continue to call his number in practice and team drills where he had two drops on Sunday and just continue uh, to get him the ball. Because, look, if this team is going to be as good as they think it can be, Jamar Chase is going to have to be a big part of it. Absolutely true. I would be shocked if he plays past the starters. Is that, is that something that like is, is something you think is going to happen? Are you just throwing it out there? Oh, I'm throwing it out there, and okay. I think more fans have thrown it out. No, I mean, and would I do that? No, not necessarily. He can get reps in practice. All mm-hmm. of that stuff, you can simulate all of that, right? You can put three DBs on him and throw a bullet at him and, and see if it works, right? You can have Troy Walters hit him with two different pads and chase him around, which he does a lot. He does it with all the receivers and make it tough on him and, and make a contested catch. So, no, I'm not saying do that, but – could it hurt? I guess it could hurt if he gets injured. So you might not want to do that. Yeah, right, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Taylor has said that the starters are only going to play, you know, they're not going to play as much as they did against Washington. They're, they're not going to play more than they did against Washington, which would be a couple drives. You know, if they score, maybe two drives. If they don't score, maybe three drives. And uh, we'll see what they do. Let's talk about some other practice notes because I, I think Jamar will eventually work it out. Maybe he needs some time. Maybe it's a rookie learning curve. 
Maybe he's in his head a little bit. I think he's absolutely in his head a little bit. I think he's mm-hmm. playing a little bit timid. But like I said in my post-game observations thread on Twitter, in the post-game show, more worried about how he got off the press and lost his balance than him actually catching the football. I think he'll get his hands right. I think he needs to continue to work on beating the press more efficiently. So, you know, which of those things you're going to be more concerned about? I don't know. We'll, We'll see how it plays out as the regular season goes and Jamar starts facing starting corners, starting with Cam Dantzler and those Minnesota Vikings in a couple of weeks. And Cam Dantzler put the cramp clamps on him in college. And so there's a good test for him right away, right out of the gate. So let's get those other practice notes. James, we mentioned Khaled Kareem's return to practice and a lot of fans are like, Oh yeah, I agree with James. Why, why are we giving Khaled Kareem a roster spot over Darius Hodge? And my answer at the time is is still my answer is that he was a good football player last year in a full season of regular season action on a bad defensive line, and he could be a little bit better now. So let's see what he gets in this week and in the third preseason game. Excited to see what he can do. And they need somebody who's solid on the edge. Maybe he's not going to have the athleticism and the pass rushing chops and that sort of thing that Joseph Osai brought, but he can be a solid player. And they need that right now because they don't have that depth without Joseph Osai, and who knows what you're getting really in camp sample at this point. Deontay Smith also back at practice, Eli Apple back at practice. So some guys getting healthy while Joseph Osai is dealing with this injury and and who knows really what the prognosis is right now, but at least some guys are getting back to practice and one of them, a defensive end who has a year of NFL experience. For sure. And I agree with you. Look, Hodge needs to take the job away. He's going to have to do that still just because Osai's out. It's still, it, and again, Zach mentioned this. It was like, oh yeah, Hodge, well, he was unblocked, <laughs> right? He, he came off the edge unblocked. Well, yeah, you should get after the quarterback in that situation. Not that it wasn't a nice play. Of course it was, but you have a lot to prove. So I agree with you. I, I think that that's very much in the air and hopefully we see a lot of those guys. Hopefully Khalid Kareem, he, he might need reps just to, hopefully one, he's healthy enough to play Sunday. Two, um, he needs reps anyways, just in general, if you're going to get him in game shape and be ready to go week one. So hopefully we see a lot of him. And uh, in overall, outside of Osai, knock on wood, it seems like health-wise they're in a pretty good spot, which is compared to last year. I mean, just think about it last year, how many injuries and little things we were talking about. Not just defensive linemen, of course. But A.J. Green was dinged up. T. Higgins was dinged up. We had this. We had that. John Ross was dinged up. You know, it was just there were so many. So uh, the, the injury list isn't nearly as long right now. Yeah, which is which is really great news. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Deontay Smith being back at practice. Also great news. Hoping to see mm-hmm. him get some run. See if he can push Quentin Spain this week. Uh, Zach Taylor did talk about Quentin Spain's holding penalty that I at the time live. I, I think I said this in our postgame pod. I wasn't sure it was a hold. I saw a hand here, and when your hand is on a collar in the open field and the guy pulls away and falls, like Zach said, sometimes it gets called. And, you know, he said, you know, we don't really harp on Quentin too much for that. It's just kind of like when you're on the open field, you have to be a little bit extra careful. And that's exactly it. Don't let the ref insert himself into a play, even if you didn't technically break the rule, which he may or may not have. But uh, Deontay Smith does move better than Quentin Spain is where I was mm-hmm. starting here. So if if they're if they want to continue to pull guys and get them in the open field on these screens and continue to down block or not down block, but get down the line on the backside of some of these zone reads, 
you're seeing the backside be a little bit slow sometimes. I noticed on my rewatch, not quite getting to their guys, not getting those seal off blocks, and then the backside defenders coming across and stopping these zone runs that are pretty well blocked on the front end for, you know, a three, four yard gain instead of a seven, eight yard gain. And so if Deontay Smith can do that a little bit better on the backside because he can move a little bit better than Spain, well, let's see if he deserves that opportunity, right? He's a rookie. He probably has more of a learning curve. And Spain has been fine. I'm not saying this to take anything away from Spain, but Smith has been one of the more exciting non-OSI rookies in camp. And sounds like it was still Spain and Xavier Suofilo with the first teamers in practice. We'll have to watch that as the week progresses, see if Deontay Smith gets any shots with the starters. And we'll also have to get to the rest of our rewatch thoughts, James, as we're out of time for this episode. I do have rewatch thoughts on all of the starters. They're in a Twitter thread. We'll talk about them. I still have to rewatch Jackson Carmen and Mike Jordan against the second and first team from Washington football team. And I also want to watch some more Darius Hodge. So we'll have some of those thoughts coming your way, hopefully very soon as the Bengals continue their practice as they march toward the preseason finale. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.